Welcome to this week's episode of The Modern Good. I'm your host, Busy Gold, and Conscious Construction starts right now. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Modern Good. We are filming live at Spartan Media Fest 2019, sponsored by ATP Science. So thanks to the Spartan World Media Fest for having us here and setting up this awesome podcast opportunity. I have to say, when I saw that this event was coming up, I immediately started thinking about how I was going to reach out to you, Dr. Laura, and I will give her intro in just a moment. We got to meet last year at Media Fest. We got to have dinner together at the sushi restaurant that I was so bummed is now out of business. No, it went away. That's really sad. But I have to say, in my career, especially kind of being in this emerging alternative sector of the mental health industry, it's pretty rare that I meet like-minded psychologists and psychiatrists at this right. phase of the game. So when we were able to actually sit down and have this conversation, I was immediately so excited. There were a million questions I wanted to ask you. And I think somebody like yourself is such an important thought leader for the conversation that we're going to be having today because people do look for the credentials and the experience. And I do, and that's, I get it. That's important. So you have a really great platform, I think, to help usher us into this next generation. So having said that, let's please welcome Dr. Laura Pence. Thank you. It's just an honor to be here. She's a licensed clinical psychologist, but she's also many, many other things including one of the podcast hosts at Spartan Up, and your podcast segment is called? Spartan Mind. And can you tell us a little bit about what someone would expect to get from that podcast? Yeah, so it's brief little nuggets, like three to five minutes, me just riffing basically off of anything that's going to help your mental performance, increase your emotional acuity, like help you move more into your body and less outside of your head sometimes so that you can actually improve what's going on in your head um, to really help people who are looking to increase, yes, their performance out on races, but also much more like in life. Because we know that if we're if we're doing well by our mental health, you know, and if we're really centering into the things that are creating struggle for us, that is going to impact our performance out on the race. So we have to dial into that in order to show up in a physical way that's going to kind of benefit us. So a lot of those little nuggets once a week. That's awesome. And by the way, you guys are going to get plenty of nuggets over the next about 45 minutes to 55 minutes. So I'm really excited. Big nugget. (laughs) So one of the things that Dr. Laura and I have been talking about is essentially this fracturing and disorganization of mental health as we know it at this current time. And I think it's a really exciting time. I'm always one. I'm always of the mindset that when things start to fall apart and old structures fall away, even though that inherently comes with disorganization and disorientation for a moment, to me, that's that precipice, right? When things are about to get really good. So Amen. tell me, what is your, what is your take on this phase that we're in and what, what aspects are about to emerge or already emerging? Yeah. So I love, love that we're having this conversation. First of all, because I think, I mean, literally, and I was just telling you this offline, but I just talking to somebody the other day about how, um, just sort of the face of therapy is changing in a lot of ways. You know, there's more telehealth happening right now where people are not necessarily just going into an office and laying on a couch. They're doing lots of different other things. And 
I am celebrating this. I think this is amazing. And I love what you said that sort of like fractures can actually open us up and become more available to alternatives. And in my work, especially, so over the last 10 years, I've worked specifically with individuals with eating disorders. And so in doing that, part of the last 10 years has really sort of been a growth experience for me in understanding and realizing that talk therapy is not always the best modality, especially um, with individuals who are struggling in their relationship with their body and getting connected to their body. You know, half the times mm-hmm. as a therapist, you, you know, the typical question you hear is like, right, well, how does that make you feel? Right? <laughs> yes. But so many people have no idea how to articulate the answer to that question. And or they're completely disconnected from feeling anything. That's exactly right. And it's important to figure out at what moment in time their brain stopped connecting to that area. Exactly right. And so for me, um, you know, I was lucky enough to actually train in a facility that did alternative things. They did dance movement therapy and they had yoga and they did art, tons of art therapy. And so when I moved into private practice and I would struggle in the work with my clients and would get to a position where we felt like, or I felt in particularly quite stuck and not kind of knowing what to do. Instead of thinking, you know, well, therapy's not working. My, my go-to thought was, what do we need to add in that's going to open this person up? You know, what else could we maybe supplement that can get this person in their body that is not talk therapy, right? Mm -hmm. So can I refer them to a dance movement therapist? Can I refer them to a yoga practitioner that's familiar with trauma? Can I, you know, can we bring an art therapist in? And in the beginning, I would say, and this is, you know, just my admission, that my ego was afraid to let go. You know, my ego was afraid to say like, oh, this, this doesn't work. But after a few years of integrating alternative therapies to supplement the work, I started to realize, well, maybe they don't need talk therapy altogether, right? And my ego isn't on the line here. This is this person's mental health. This is this person's well-being. I need to let go of the things that I'm holding on to in order to serve them the best. So then usually I would just refer them out completely. Like this isn't, talk therapy right now is not necessarily going to be the right space for you. So let's do this and then maybe we can come back to talk therapy or maybe not. And I can tell you that for the most part, the majority of my clients felt like this was such a relief because I also think that with talk therapy and I, it's so funny, another conversation is just coming to my mind um, that I had yesterday with someone. A lot of people don't know that if it's not working well, that there could be a lot of reasons why it might not be working, right? Mm -hmm. It might not be working because you don't have the right fit for a therapist, but it might not be working because Talk therapy might not be working for you. It's not and the right And they thing. might not be asking the correct questions, right. which I think is a, a huge aspect of what's flawed about talk therapy in general is right. certain lines of inquiry are, <sighs> they're the wrong lines of inquiry. And I know that we've had this conversation, but so many people essentially have basically subscribe to these false narratives that they've found ways to kind of replicate over time to keep proving the same scientific experiment. Like, see, I always have to be in control. Otherwise, everyone lets me down or everyone's always going to reject me, right? Whatever these messages are that our brain latches onto. But we're setting up a faulty experiment and we're actually not even perceiving reality objectively. So when someone says, like, what was that experience like for you? Even the words that are come out of your mouth are completely patterned with this false narrative. So right. we need to get way before that. Right. So it's almost like whatever's happening to you now, like, cool. Also, let's track it back <laughs> about 32 years. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So I, I totally, we're on the same page and I, I find that 
you know, while talk therapy, it can be great to have an outlet to express yourself if you're at home bottling things up and right. you're not in an environment where you can talk to your parents, you don't have a friend that you feel comfortable talking about things to. I feel like it's like a pressure valve. Like I understand that there's that need to relieve the pressure, but I don't know that with everything we know now, right, with, you know, consciousness expanding and us yep. constantly learning and growing, I don't know that that line of questioning is as best we can do right. at the current moment. Well, and I think, too, you know, I, I feel like through my my growth, growth as a therapist, I've been able to really see as well that what I bring into the room with my clients is also from my experience and it's impossible for me to turn that off as a human being. Like it's, it's impossible. I think for me to not bring into the room, um, my experience as a therapist, my experience as a human being, my experience as a mother, when I'm, you know, working with other mothers, my experience as a woman and a female, you know, it's impossible. I think for me to turn that off, which brings up a really important point too, because you know, let's say when we look at like ethical standards of how traditional talk therapy is supposed to transpire, right? In air quotes, those things are on that questionable line. Like how much of your personal experience right. can you bring in? So I think that just shows another, like to me, great fracture where that's critically important. Right. You have to share those things. Exactly. Those and are the things that you like know with every cell of your being. That's Those exactly are the things we right. should be teaching. Yeah. And it's so interesting because in graduate school, you know, I can re rewind back to certain classes um, that we, where we talked about disclosure and, you know, what serves you versus what serves the client. And I went to a very psychoanalytic program. Um, so we, there was a lot of discussion around that. Um, but, you know, the bend was typically you know, stay away from disclosure. Like, you know, this is, this is not your time. This is the client's time. And over time in my experience, and as I've just sort of grown into myself as a human being, and then also as a therapist, I've really learned the power of disclosure. And I've really learned that more than anything, I think what my clients want to see is another human being across the room. Yeah, it builds rapport and then right. they actually trust you and you're leading from experience. That's right, right. And I think, you know, we, we of course have to be careful. You know, we of course have to be careful. But just as we do in any other relationship, you know, we, we, we have to have a certain knowledge of the boundaries that we need when we're relating to somebody and when those boundaries, you know, when maybe we can be a little bit more vulnerable and a little bit more open, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. But, but I also think that more than anything, what we need to show up as in the room as a therapist is human. Um, and you know, it, I cry with my clients. That's to me, that's okay. You know, in, in the beginning, I remember like when I was in my practicum work as a pre-doctoral student, you know, I worked with very, very ill individuals who, um, who just had really horrific stories of trauma. And I remember clear as day sitting with one individual working so hard to not cry, like working, she's sitting there bawling her eyes out, opening up about a trauma. I'm working so hard to not cry. That it almost takes away from you being able to fully experience. That's exactly that. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You know, and so like, I think back those times now, a more experienced therapist, and again, just as sort of a more full human being. Like embodying your therapy. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, so I think, you know, I think some of these fractures and, and the way that sort of like the, the model is being disrupted a little bit, 
is an opportunity for us to take a look at, you know, what, what actually might need to change that really could serve the work. Um, and, and that we could benefit from in a way that our clients then could fully embrace. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all those things. And I think it is important, just like when we allow ourselves to be authentic and be who we are, it frees other people that might look up to us and then they're like, oh, well, if they're doing it, fuck it. I'm going to do it too. Totally. So I know that there are going to be therapists and social workers that are listening to this now that are like, God, this is, it's an internal struggle that I'm sure. Right they have to deal with uh, pretty frequently. So on the topic of disclosure, because I I do think that as we've just been discussing, there are aspects of it that can be very productive. And one of my company's core values is that you can only lead others as far as you've led yourself. Oh, I love that. So in, in embodying that, your ability to disclose with purpose instead of just disclose right. to dump out onto people isn't it's already there if you've done that work to understand who you are and what stories are objectively true and what stories have served you up to a certain point no longer serving you can kind of shed that right. then when you when you disclose you're disclosing with intention and purpose you're not just disclosing just to create some sort of like see we're both broken right exactly because that to me that that can get really tricky Agreed. and I think a lot of people unfortunately lean into that on social media right where it's like to try to get people into their audience they're like constantly leaning into their brokenness yep I love to lead with the things that had previously been broken and now have healed. So it's like, hey, let me show you. Right. Let me show you how far you can come and how to walk that path instead of like, we're all fucked up. Yep. You can trust me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think what people, so I also believe that we, I do think right now, one of the things that I am seeing is just how disconnected we really all are from ourselves, from each other. Um, and we are we are connected human beings like our connective tissue is supposed to be active and so when it's not i think we get really sick and i think we are craving connection more than we ever had before but what we're trying to do is hot wire it like oh you wear boots so do i we're best friends <laughs> totally <laughs> um and i think that's the same thing with like you know in the therapy space i think sometimes if um that disclosure from a therapist's point of view can be utilized to hotwire that connection. And I, and I think that's also where we can go wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Is when we're, when we're using information to quickly draw a line between you and me. Um, and then that's where I think we do have to be careful because, you know, somebody might be, you know, I, this might, let's say for example, it's a second session I have with a mom. And the first session didn't go very well. You know, maybe I said something that I could tell she was sort of ruffled with or uncomfortable with. And, and if I'm feeling, um, you know, if my ego gets wounded and I'm not really aware of it. And you need it, her to like you again. That's exactly right. You're right. like, you throw out the codependency rod and you're like, I need you to like me right now. That's Let's exactly find one right. little thing to like. Yep. Yep. And on. so if she comes in on session number two, right. And all of a sudden I'm not tuning into myself and I'm trying to hotwire that connection, mm. you know, she could experience it first of all as as not having space for herself in the room. Um, but also more likely if she's tuned in, in any degree, it won't feel authentic. Totally. You know? So I think, I think too, we just have to be aware of how, 
how we how we disclose, but also just in general as human beings, how sometimes we move into that position of trying to hotwire that connection. And to recognize and know where that's coming from. It's coming from that place of just wanting to connect, which is a real human need that we all have, which should be satiated. Um, but unfortunately, I think sometimes the way that we go about it moves us more towards disconnection than connection. On the topic of connection, because I think this is a, a great segue, and it's so interesting. A lot of the, and to me, it's just, it's proof that it's kind of universal truth. A lot of the things that I talk about, even like some of the words and then the segue where I'll go next, it's like already exactly how you talk. So <laughs> this is great. It makes my job super easy because we're totally in tune. That's awesome. I love that. And I'm not hot wiring that. <clears throat> Amen. Right? We're actually connected. Because you can feel, you can, and the, ener- the yeah. energy too you can feel. For like sure. If you're tuned in enough to your body, you can sense that. Totally. So this is something that even I talked to Joe DeSena about yesterday on our little interview. This concept that for us to truly connect with each other and to be a healthy, vital collective, we have to truly know ourselves and Mm -hmm. our very unique identity, right? Right. That cannot be duplicated and is not like anybody else's. So in this way, I gave him the analogy of a clock that has all these different cogs that have to fit together for the clock to tick. And at first glance, they might all look like one another. But when you really look closer, some of them are smaller, some of them have ridges, some of them have, you know, even taller, you know, parts of them. And if we all go around society just trying to be like, oh, I'm going to look like that cog, I'm going to look like that cog, instead of figuring out what our cog looks like, the whole thing breaks down. And I think that really even speaks to this hot wiring concept that you're talking about, where we're like, you have red shoes, I have red shoes, we're best friends, let's be like each other. When really, I think the, the deep work that has to be done is for us to figure out what exactly is our piece of the collective that's completely unlike anybody else's yep. because we can find connection how our pieces work together, not how they are the same. Right, exactly. And I think I think that social media, I'm just going to use this platform as an, as an example, and I'm not a social media basher. I think that there can be great things totally. from social media. But I think sometimes in social media where people go is this position of like, oh, I like that, I want to be exactly like. And I think we we really all need to settle into the idea and the concept of, like, we have a unique contribution to make to this universe. And when we close that off, as you said, the whole universe breaks down. 100%. Like, yes. the whole universe yes. success is on your shoulders, <laughs> so don't fuck this up. No pressure, no pressure. But no it, pressure, but pressure. Right. But yes, but that's yeah. the thing too, right? Like pressure, like... It's a good thing. That's right. Pressure and commitment was the next pivot that I wanted to make, so just go. <laughs> you, you got this. I don't know. I'm... But I do think, but I think like that's, I think, you know, in disrupting the model too, it's interesting because I, um, I have a panel that I'm on later today where the, like literally the title is disrupting the model and everyone up there is sort of disrupting their own, you know, field a little bit. And I guess the way in which I think about it from this perspective too, from like a therapeutic perspective is um, with my clients, I, I push, I ask for commitment. I ask for dedication. I ask for them to do the work. And, and I think, and I'm upfront with them from the beginning. Like, you know, when I go over, okay, who are you? Let's talk about you for 30 minutes. Now I'm going to tell you about me just to make sure that you're in the right room, that you're in the right place, that like this feels okay. Just from the first session, which sometimes we don't know we will feel until the sixth session. But one of the things that I say is I am an active therapist. I, I am not going to just sit back 
and watch this unfold. Like I am, I like to get in there. I like to collaborate. I like to get just as messy as you are going to get, going to get. And I think that we do need, we do need a push. We like people need to be pushed into what's uncomfortable and they need to, we need to, we need to show up for them and tell them that we think they can rather than just sort of sit back and like wait for that to happen a little bit. Um, that to me, I think is just, and I think we've sort of gotten away from that a little bit sometimes too. A little, a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Our society has completely backslid. Yeah. So you no tell one, me. Yeah, like, yeah I, I think nobody. Our society right now is built to basically not apply any sort of pressure. Everybody's a winner. Right. Right. We're we're in this really, uh, to me, crazy social experiment at the current moment, and I don't know which side's going to win. I surely hope it's the side that's kind of more aligned with Spartan ideology because I think that's the side where our collective becomes a healthy living organism instead of the chaos that I think we're currently experiencing because not everybody's a winner and that's okay. Yes. It's okay. Right. You need to, and I was talking about this also with Joe yesterday. One of the things that I think is like one of the most critical pieces of parenting is teaching your child how to accurately self-measure. Yes. Right? If you don't know what a hundred percent effort is, you're fucked. Yes, you will never you will never be competitive if you (laughs) don't know what a hundred percent is. That's right. I I if I had to rate my parents' parenting, I'd probably give them like, I don't know, like a D. But one of the things that they did really well was they taught me how to accurately self-measure and push myself. So That's awesome. You know, they got that one out of ten. Right. Good for them. We'll give you a little round of applause. But on this topic, I think our society needs to get back to this, you know, building of a resilient, vibrant society. Because right right now they've turned us into basically a bunch of people pleasers that all have this, you know, kind of, you know, amorphous identity where like no one, I mean, even down to things which we won't get into too much, but like they're even trying to make us all like each other in terms of gender. Like no, all of a sudden there's like no differences that can be the same. It's a wild time is what yes. I'm saying. It's yes. wild. Yes. So I think pressure is one of the most important things. And I think this is why things like Spartan Race really help people even sort through mental health issues right. that might've been plaguing them forever. Because if you have this kind of closed container of like, okay, I'm going to commit to this event and I'm going to train for this event and I'm I'm deathly afraid that I will, you know, die on the course or something will happen to me or I won't finish. But then you cross the finish line. You've now got this closed container of a new scientific experiment that your brain is like, actually, I can fucking do whatever I want. Amen. Yes. And right. we need to be, I think, intentionally curating more of these experiences for society instead of literally preventing them with like gloves from ever bumping up against anything. I bad. couldn't agree more. I, I love that you use the word container Um, because it's a word that I think of all the time in the sense that, like, like the therapy space is a container, right? And, like, uh, you use the word experiment a lot, which I love and I I don't use, but maybe I'm going to steal it and start using it now. But because it is, like, in that arena, in that container, right, I can create the safety and we've got to do the work together. But they're also, like, it's, it's it's an opportunity for, like, experiential rewiring right yeah where it's it's an opportunity for you to experience you the client me pushing you in a way that's empathic right and compassionate um but but also hard for you but hey guess what we're we're gonna we're gonna survive yeah you're gonna fucking figure it out you know it's the same with like like the container of spartan is the same way like you're gonna push yourself right you're gonna have competitors and racers next to you 
you'll, you'll figure it out, right? And then you use these experiences, these mini containers, and you, you drop, drop that experience into other containers, and that's what builds resiliency. But if you don't, if in that container, like you're not putting in the right ingredients and you're just sort of like, oh, who said it last year? Someone said something brilliant that even, um, even still water begins to smell. Oh, like yeah. it's, you know, you have to move it, right? Like you have to push it along. And so I think, and I, I couldn't agree more that I think we, we need more of that. Absolutely. We need to take the gloves off. We need to not be afraid of it. We, you know, we need to embrace it. And when we feel somebody pushing us to try not to resist, you know, to, to, to uh, make yourself available to it so that you can, you can, um, grow. So on this topic of the experience of being pushed, right, and then people's resistance to it, I do think that simultaneous to this kind of removal of, like, pressure and commitment and then this kind of, like, amorphous identity piece, on top of this, we've also been kind of imbued with just, like, pervasive victim mentality everywhere, right? Where, like, if you're a victim, somehow you now have status and you get to use your victimhood as an excuse to not do certain things. So... I think on this particular topic, if somebody's already been imbued with this victim mindset, as soon as someone's like, come on, you can do this push, they're like, you don't know about my life. You're triggering <laughs> You don't me. know about my trauma. Yes. Save space, trigger, trigger, right? right. So, on, and obviously I've, in my personal practice, I have to walk through this line a lot because I deal with trauma right. all the time. Exactly. And we can have compassion and empathy for what somebody's been through and acknowledge how they have, you know, experienced trauma while still showing them that they do not have to only exist in that That's right. victim container. Because while they might have been a victim in this container over here, that doesn't mean that that is going to be the rule for their life moving forward. But actually, right. many of them do allow that to become a rule for their life and in many cases allow themselves to become victimized many okay. times over for the rest of their lives. Right, right. But in that whole space, it's like they're very tempted, and I understand it's not to point fingers at the person that's been victimized. They're very quick to shout predator if you try to push them in some sort of way. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I think we've gotten just so lost in that. Um, And I think that the individuals that, you know, are are doing the pushing have to – have to stay committed to to their work, you know, and to not because certainly, you know, in the work that I've done a lot um, with eating disorders, just tons of trauma, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of it will come up in our work together. And in the beginning, again, like you know, admission because I think admission allows for growth, and also hopefully the people that are out there. I remember in the beginning, like if someone was like, "You're really triggering me," that I would just back back off, you know, like mm-hmm. okay okay, let's switch, let's, you know, let's shift somewhere else. What else, you know, what else is going on for you today? You Mm -hmm. know, as opposed to in today's work in clients, when there's sort of this, like, I'm really triggering you. That's, that's when I move forward. That's the most exciting time. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Like, thank you. You have opened a door and I'm going to walk right through it. You know what I mean? Like you think you're closing the door right now, but actually we're opening it and I'm going to walk through. Well, and they, and I, I try to preface all my work with this too, to let people know you will get triggered. And by the way, right. when you do get triggered, that is the exact sign that we're going in the right direction. And that is your brain's defense and protective mechanism yep. to not solve it. Because right. your brain is addicted to being in this current 
space. Right. right. That is why you're in my office. That's so exactly right. If you right. want to get out of my office, which I too want you to get out of my right. office, you're going to have to work with me through this triggering experience and not make it about me being somehow like a predator. Right. Because sometimes, of course, that's going to happen. That's one of their protective mechanisms. Like, this is too much for me. Yep. You know, you're pushing me in a way that I don't like to be pushed. It's like, well, you came here to get help right. and I'm here to help you. That's so exactly you might right. not like me 90% of the time. Right. And I can sit here and be right. okay with that. Right. Exactly. And let's use this as a corrective experience yeah. where you can feel that sensation of being triggered and activated, but then we do something else with it, you know, because yeah. what what continues to like play off of the narrative that you've written for yourself is if I lean back, like then, then you, I get away with that's that. exactly right. So, so I think when we move into that position and, and again, like it's, I mean, it's a learning experience for, for people who are new to the field and coming in. Cause you do, I think kind of have to come into it, but my, I guess like what I would encourage people to do is remember again, the intention of why you're there, like the intention of why you're there as, as a helper, as like a mental health practitioner, whether or not you have letters behind your name or not. Um, you know, if you're a yoga practitioner or whatever it is that you're doing to hold space for somebody else, remember the intention of why you're there. Like if you're there to just continue their narrative, then you've got to think about that. Like really, you know, is that really why you're there? Question mark. Right. Well, and I think not, I think in, in general, not everybody that might actually lead their practice that way is aware that they're leading their practice that way. Yeah. So this comes back to being able to be a little bit self-reflective. And it's one of the reasons that I really wanted to have you on the podcast, because I do think there might be a lot of therapists that need to see somebody that's being a bit of a disruptor so that they can free themselves and be like, fuck, am I, am I just kind of creating this financial codependence where I am just buying into their narrative? Right. And one of the ways that I like to think about this is I remember when I was little, my dad would always like talk to me about what he was processing with his therapist. And even at a young age, I'd be like, Dr. Goldberg doesn't know shit about you. (laughs) You just sit there and lie to him. So he can't even help you because you're just lying to him. Right. You know, so like even from a young age, I remember at that moment being like, you know, you can, the therapist can only help you as much as you're accurately self-reporting. Right. And the whole system at this point if you keep doing like kind of towing the traditional line, it's kind of flawed. Right. Cause you are basically ethically tied to their self-reporting to a degree. Right. You know? Right. So I think it's fantastic that you're able to, you know, again, embody your experience, all of the different things that you've done, including being a pivotal part of Spartan and hopefully give permission to other people that are out there. Cause we, this is, this goes out to all the therapists and social workers, uh, literally everybody out there. And I've thankfully had a lot of them come through break method that now take break method into their practices. I'm right. actually going to lead um, a two day break method workshop in the women's prison in Vermont. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm so excited. That so, is so great. It's really exciting. Oh my I'm, goodness. I'll tell you more about it offline, please, but it's, please. it's pretty exciting. So, I think it's important for those, you know, that are in these fields out there that up to this point have felt like they've been kind of boxed in or ethically tied to only kind of towing the line. Let this be a, a bit of a motivation call. We're not going to shift the paradigm if it doesn't start within yourself. So if you have those little, like those little murmurings of what's going to come next, like follow Dr. Laura's 
path. Well, right. And I think like for me, cause I, I think about my own experience in my practice a lot. Um, it just helps me reflect on where I am today. It helps me pay gratitude for where I am today and the things that have helped and not helped. And I think, um, like I can think of clients in my earlier years as a practitioner that I was not, that I was, I was trying to be a therapist more than I was actually doing therapy. Yeah. And I can think of, you know, where I really did not serve that work well, um, versus more today. And again, like I've had experience, I've come into my own, I'm almost 40 years old. Like, you know, I think that there's wisdom that comes with that too. Not to say that if you're a 20 year old therapist, you can't kick ass out there, but I think that there is wisdom that comes with experience. Um, but versus today when I, when I'm just myself, like then also sitting in compassion and in containment with an individual and listening wholeheartedly, laughing when it's funny, crying when it's sad, getting mad when we fucking should be, Mm -hmm. that's when brilliance happen. Like that's where the magic happens is when you are like showing up fully in who you are and not trying to be a therapist, but, but just, you know, allowing yourself to sit there. And I think this is also why, and I kind of, you know, I, I have mixed feelings, but I know that my mixed feelings actually come from an ego position more than anything else about, you know, if you look, for example, on Instagram, people are calling themselves mindset coaches and performance coaches and mental health experts without having like the degrees behind their name. Mm -hmm. And initially I would say that like, I, my little like goosebumps went up and my pricklies went up of like, well, they didn't go to grad. Like, who are they to call themselves that? They didn't, who the fuck cares if they can do the work and like have some kind of understanding of mental health and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, good boundaries, not great boundaries. Like, you know, I think we just have to embrace again, like that we can, we can have people who are helping other people that, that didn't go to graduate school for five years. And that's okay. You know, to like, let that be, because if you're showing up fully in who you are, then I think that that can also serve the work really well, as long as you're obviously doing it in like a relatively contained and appropriate way. Oh, for sure. But yeah, so that part I think is important too. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think as these kind of emerging pathways of mental health start to come up, I think there will naturally, the the response once it kind of explodes is always to kind of recontain again. Yes, exactly. So I do think because we are in that disorientation, disorganization phase right now, it's, you know, you do have some life coaches out there where you're like, should you really be doing this? Right. I'm not so sure. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, to each his or her own. And, you know, like you said, as long as you're, I like I, like I was saying, leading from a place that you've currently led yourself. Yeah, I love that. And always be authentic. You know, I've shared a lot about my ups and downs in my life with my clients and right. in my course. And it's not, I always tell them that I'm simultaneously a student and a teacher always. And I'm never yep. sitting up on some pedestal. Like yep. I have everything right. And you guys have everything wrong. Right. Like there, I still have my own personal struggles and I use those as like living, breathing examples of how to navigate through them. That's right. That's exactly right. So I think as long as you're being authentic and you're continually doing the work yourself and having that self-reflective right. reflex, that makes for solid gold. Right. Yeah. I think. No, I totally agree. And I do think, you know, we, I mean, we, we have to like tune in first to ourselves because before we can ever tune into, you know, anything else. And so it's always like, I'm always, whenever I hear somebody that's either like doing this kind of work that you and I do, whether they're a therapist or a psychologist or not, but like haven't, 
have their own experience of doing the work with another practitioner of any kind. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> totally. And it's, it's quite often that I get clients in that are, went into therapy because they needed to sort their own issues. Right. But then in the process of doing this, they didn't sort their issues. They just became a therapist. <laughs> and then they're coming to me and they're like, here's the thing. I've had a therapy practice for 25 years, but I'm really struggling. Right. I'm like, okay, come on, come on in. That's awesome. Because, you know, often we're, we're drawn to the things that we have yet to resolve Correct. in ourselves. You know? Right. But it's my hope that whoever is out there, you know, trying to walk this path you need to seek some sort of resolution along the way as you're, it's okay to simultaneously walk the path right. and try to self-resolve, Yes, but you can't just walk the path and be like, I was drawn to this cause I was fucked up, but then I just got really focused on this. Right. Yeah. You know, you have all of these kind of like closet demons that you just keep in the closet right. and don't exactly. sort. Which by the way, don't get kept in the closet. No, yes. not at all. Bleed out. Totally. Yes. Yeah. They totally bleed out. So where can our listeners find you and I, after that, I have like three little interview questions that I just want to end the segment with. But where can people find you and, you know, what is it that you want our listeners to know about your work? Yeah, so I love that. So easy where to find me. Uh, my website's drlarapence.com. Send me an email, lara at drlarapence.com. And it's L-A-R-A. That's right, L-A-R-A. Um, and, or you can find me on Instagram at drlarapence.com. What's it called? A handle? Is that what it's called? Oh my God. Yes. It's a handle. A handle. Yeah. And it's not, it's not drlarapence.com on Instagram. No, it's, it's, just, <laughs> it's just at drlarapence. You can tell how expert of a social media person I am. Um, it's part of what makes you so authentic. And oh awesome, so. Lord. And then, okay. So what do I want listeners to take away from this? I think what, um, I th- like, I guess what I would say is give yourself permission to to do, to be, well, first of all, give yourself permission, of course, to be who you are. Like step into the real you. Know that there is nobody else on the planet, literally nobody else on the planet that can make the contribution that you can make because nobody else is you. So that's more than anything would be what I would want listeners to take away from this. Under the guise of you know, working with individuals, um, being a mental health practitioner. Again, I would, I would sort of say the same thing, like give yourself permission to be who you are and do the work that you want to do in those containers. And, you know, if you, if you found yourself down one path of performing in your practice, if you are performing in your practice, then you're not practicing. You're like, performing. Like performing your role. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, you have to settle in, drop into your body, be be more connected with yourself. You are not an actor in a room with clients. You are a human being. And remember that, that you, you show up with flaws. You show up with stuff in your backpack. You show up with emotions. That's what we are looking for in other individuals. That's how we're looking to connect. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Dr. Laura, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I'm sure there are a million other topics that are going to come up that I'm going to want to have you back on the show for. But awesome. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show, and thank you so much. And listeners, you know that you can check out more content at mymoderngood.com. And again, thank you to Spartan Media Fest, sponsored by ATP Science. This is going to be a wild next 48 hours of podcasting. So thank you, Dr. Laura. Thank and you. Everybody go check out her stuff. She's pure magic. See you next time.
Thanks for checking out this week's episode of The Modern Good. To find out more about Break Method, head to breakmethod.com and to check out my workshops and public speaking schedule, busygold.com. I'll see you next week.